Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. everybody. Hi. How are we today? It's been a long weekend. It has been a very long weekend. I'm Carol Ann. I'm still Matt. Still Matt. And this is still Boost and Confused. Hold on. I'm confused. I am excited. This is our 11th episode. That's one more than it was last week. Yes, it was. What's it going to be? 10 or 11? And some other exciting news. We just hit 500 downloads yesterday, which is kind of neat and I'm shocked that that many people care to listen to the podcast you know I was kind of on the other end I just thought it was like my mom playing it 500 times mashing it yeah if it is I really appreciate it mom (laughs) thanks for really boosting our numbers for us what are we drinking today well like I said it has been a very long weekend of weddings and it takes a toll on the body this is a lovely drink called Vista Bay. It is essentially the the Aldi equivalent of White Claw. And this is black cherry. It's a good flavor. Aren't we so fortunate to have an Aldi knockoff of the elusive White Claw? It's actually not that bad. Oh, good. What would you rate it out of 10? Well, what is 10? Like a White Claw? Yeah, 10 would be like better than a White Claw maybe. I'll give it a 9.3. Wow. Okay. As in like if I close my eyes and you gave me a Vista Bay or and a White Claw, I probably could not tell the difference. And you know what? Probably neither could uh, the super trashed girls that have about six of them and then they're ready for a night out. I mean at 100 calories, 2 grams of carbs, and a 5% alcohol volume content, it's pretty refreshing. Best part, gluten-free. Oh, great selling point. That's that's the selling point for me, the gluten-free. So refreshed. So to be honest, because it's been a very long week and a very long weekend, we did not have the time or energy to write our own topic for today's episode. And instead, we are going to be reading a listicle from thelineup.com. Thanks for doing our homework, thelineup.com. Yeah, it's appreciated. So today we are going to be talking about uh, exorcisms and possessions. But before we get into the list itself, just some housekeeping items. Please no chewing gum in the classroom. It finds a way out of your mouth and we don't want mice in the building. And other housekeeping items. (laughs) If you like the podcast, which I hope you would if this is episode 11 and you've listened to us before, the best way that you could support us is by leaving us a review on your platform of choice and following us to make sure that you don't miss an episode. Episodes drop every Monday. We are on social media, so we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And 
If you leave us a review, you can take a screenshot of it, send it to us, and we will send you your very own Boozed and Confused stickers for free. Even if you live in Sweden, which we're working on it. It's a lot harder to spell things in Swedish than in English, but shout out to all of our Swedish friends who somehow got us on a top podcast list in Sweden. Yeah, top 200 true crime podcasts in Sweden, which was very strange and unexpected, but uh, welcomed. I am surprised, but uh, thank you, Sweden. You're a wonderful place that we'd love to go to once our country's off of the blacklist of traveling. (laughs) That might be a minute, but we'll definitely be there and would love to watch some club rugby or something. Yeah, we'll we'll hit you up soon. Not too soon, but post-COVID soon. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I'm oddly terrified of this topic. I, I take it super seriously. It's like I don't touch Ouija boards or anything. Anything that's involving the, the other end of existence, it, I, just, I, I take it very seriously. Yeah, so... I, when I was growing up, I loved um, stuff like this. I I still do love stuff like this, but I have definitely played with Ouija boards before. Um, Haven't done it in at least 15 years. I don't think I would, uh, I don't think I would mess with that anymore. If it was any time while we were dating, I would talk to a marriage counselor (laughs) or a divorce lawyer immediately. Yeah, no, I, I understand. We've seen too many films where that goes wrong. It's too much of a liability. I, I understand. We have cats to take care of. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, here are nine disturbing cases of real-life exorcism and possession by the lineup staff. Our first topic comes from a story of Annalisa Mikkel. Perhaps one of the most terrifying exorcism cases in history, Annalisa Mikkel's story went on to inspire the 2005 film The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Mikkel, a young German woman, had struggled from an early age with mental illness. Diagnosed with epileptic psychosis, she also experienced depression and visual and auditory hallucinations for which she was hospitalized. With time, her symptoms intensified, growing to include an aversion towards religious iconography. Both she and her Catholic family attributed her condition to demonic possession, and beginning at 22, she underwent an intense 10 months of Catholic exorcism rites. Nearly 70 exorcisms were performed in secrecy under the order of the church. In July 1976, Mikkel passed away. An autopsy declared her death was the result of emaciation, malnutrition, and starvation at the hands of her priests and her family, who had, during the exorcisms, discontinued consultations with doctors. The family and priests involved were investigated, charged with negligent homicide, and found guilty of manslaughter, serving six months in jail and three years probation. Yeah, I I remember the movie coming out. My dad took my brother and me to it. And I want to say the actress who was playing uh, Annalisa, is that how you say it? I'm sure I've changed the pronunciation (laughs) a couple of times, so I apologize. It was Emily Rose in the movie. Her name was Emily in the movie. Uh, I want to say it starred Jennifer Carpenter, who I think is most well known for being in Dexter as the sister. 
I want to say she was also in White Chicks. Classic. It's an all-time classic. Watching that film in 2005, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, the only other film I'd seen before that was just uh, the Exorcism movie. And this one was horrifying. The Exorcist? <sighs> like the classic? <laughs> yes. Oh, Shake, I'm always giving you crap about being uncultured in, yeah. in your cinema viewing. Uh, but there I go. I've um, got the classics down, and that's what I need. The classics are The Exorcist. Star Wars 1, Star Wars 2, Star Wars 3. No, no, and by no, we, 1, 2, yeah, 3, yeah, I mean 4, four five, 5, 6. six. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, extended yes. edition. Yes. And I think Jaws. Definitely Jaws, definitely Jurassic Park. But beyond that, really, I, I don't think you really watch anything else. That and a, like a lot of um Below Deck. That's... That's 90 Day Fiance. You don't need to air my dirty laundry. No, right? no. Oh, but watching people air theirs is a, is a real different story. Yes, it is. Let's get back to Annalisa. Huh? Look, that film was horrifying. The The intensity of Carpenter as Emily Rose. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the original girl's name. Uh, but the part where she starts speaking different languages and like screaming. Oh, it was... It was it was rough. I want to say a big part of the film was a lawyer visiting the priest while he was in jail and trying to get the story straight about whether it was negligence or it was it a result of her being possessed. But at least in the movie, I want to say there was more than one demon possessing her, like seven. Yeah, I ooh, I think I do remember that part actually. Like she was counting in German, yeah. or was it Latin or something? Terrifying. Probably Latin, because that seems scarier than German somehow. Some, you know, post World War Two. I don't know what's what's scarier, Latin or or German. Angry German. Every German phrase sounds angry, so. It does. It does. What's our second topic? This is the possession of Anna Eklund. And this one's off to a great start because it talks about speaking in foreign tongues, which is always horrifying to me. Often said to include speaking in tongues and strange guttural voices, levitating and clinging to bedroom walls, disturbed thoughts and revulsion of holy objects and sacred spaces, Eklund's possession spanned several decades beginning in 1912 when she was just 14 years old. Her case was so well-known that it serves as the basis for a time profile of the priest in charge of her exorcism, Father Theophilus Ressinger. Anna's demonic possession was reportedly the result of a curse, which was put on her by her caretakers, her father and her Aunt Mina. Her wonderful Aunt Mina was believed to be the lover of Anna's father, as well as a witch who used spelled herbs in Eklund's food to put her under the demon's spell. Her father, Carl Vogel, penned an account of Anna's possession in a pamphlet, which was published in 1936, called Begone, Satan, a soul-stirring account of diabolical possessions in Iowa. The first exorcism performed in, on Eklund was in 1912, was successful for a time, but Eklund would be possessed again 
by even more demons in 1928. Her second exorcism, which lasted three sessions, was held at a convent in Erling, Iowa, and was so grueling it resulted in the deterioration of Eklund's body. The demons were eventually exorcised, and Eklund went on to live her life with only milder possessions after. That sounds awful. Yeah, let's just like starve her, basically, and, and maybe beat the demons out of her until maybe the demons leave. I mean, I think if I were a demon, I would kind of want that result. But I'm not a demon. I promise. Uh, you know, um, 1910s, 1920s Iowa, you know, who knows what's going on there. But it's got a lot of like old world vibes with the um, cursed herbs put in the food. Yeah, right. First of all, Mina sounds terrible. Mina would not be invited to my Thanksgiving dinner table. Absolutely not. Okay, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think her father could probably go piss up a rope as well. Where have I heard that phrase before? I, d- I don't know. That phrase was used about 15 times at the wedding last night. Yep. Yep, and now it's my new favorite phrase for today. Phrase of the week of the day. Yeah, um, there it is. Um, I haven't read the pamphlet yet. I'm sure it's a real page turner. Yeah, be gone, Satan. Um, I just want to know like, what the reasoning was behind putting a curse on, on her by her dad and her aunt. It was just her aunt, who might have been a witch, which is super dope. It's Halloween time. But maybe it was to have more time with her brother-in-law. That's so disturbing on so many levels. Hey, love is love. Maybe she just loved him so much she had to get the daughter out of the way. To have all the time to herself. Yeah. No, that that sounds like a very healthy relationship. If I can't have (laughs) all of you, no one can. Number three is the Smurls Poltergeist. Unlike many other well-known cases of demonic possession, the Smurl family claimed it was not a person who was possessed. Instead, they claimed their West Pittston, Pennsylvania double-block home had been taken over by a poltergeist. The Smurl family's case was both highly publicized and heavily scrutinized, discredited by paranormal professionals and the clergy who claimed on several occasions that nothing unusual was happening at the residence. However, paranormal investigators and demonologists, very well-known Ed and Lorraine Warren, claimed the house was occupied by a very powerful demon, performing several exorcisms on the home to rid of it of the dark shadow they saw there. The unsuccessful exorcism was done in an attempt to stop the demon's alleged attacks on the family, which included loud banging, foul-smelling odors, shaken mattresses, physical and sexual assaults on one of the members of the family, others being pushed downstairs, and even their dog being thrown into the wall. In 1986, after publishing a book about their experiences, the family claimed intense prayer had helped return things to normal, although the family matriarch said there were still odd occurrences in 1987. This is just giving me vibes of that movie, Poltergeist. Yeah, I feel like you have to be a real piece of shit demon if you're going to start throwing the family dog into uh, into the wall. I also, when I first read this, thought it was the Smurf family <laughs> poltergeist, <laughs> which I think would have been a great sequel to the new Smurf movies. Yeah, I don't think I saw that spinoff, uh, actually. 
uh, I think it was canned before production. Mm -hmm. But um, I think there could have been a really star-studded cast. Mm -hmm. uh, thinking like Jennifer Lawrence, Timberlake's always in there somewhere now. Great a voice actor. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, Matthew McConaughey as Ooh. the demon. Ooh. <laughs> wow, that is, uh, yeah, that would be a change for him, wouldn't it? You know, the whole uh, possessed house thing. You know, it really hits a vibe with me. Uh, I remember when we first moved into our house and like you weren't staying there yet, but I was kind of like lying on the mattress that had no sheets or anything. <laughs> uh, every creak, every noise, anything I heard, I was either it was someone trying to get into the house to murder me or it was a possession. And um, in honor of the person who last lived here, I named our basement pub after him. Um, to to show good um, spiritual intentions. You know, he's a good guy, and I don't want to get possessed by the old man who used to live here. Good vibes only. That's what I'm trying to, you know, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go to number four. This one's just called Roland Doe in many ways. Eklund and Roland Doe, also known by other aliases, uh, Robbie Mannheim had similar experiences with possession, including the fact that both were cataloged and published by priests. Doe's case became so notorious that it too was adapted into a film. His case was the inspiration for the 1973 horror classic, The Exorcist. The Exorcism. <laughs> oh. Like, I'll watch it again, I promise. I'll watch it. After the passing of his aunt, the 13-year-old turned to a spirit board to commune with his beloved family member. Instead of inviting his aunt, Roland apparently invited something much more sinister. After the family became overwhelmed by weird occurrences including odd noises, furniture moving by itself, and objects levitating when Roland was around, they reached out to their Lutheran pastor who, after monitoring Roland's behavior, declared that he should see a Catholic priest. He did. During the resulting exorcism, the boy slashed the Catholic priest's arm with a bedspring, temporarily putting an end to any further action. The family then moved to St. Louis and saw three more priests who, with the permission of an archbishop, carried out around 30 exorcisms on Roland in the psychiatric wing of a city hospital. Messages written on his skin guttural voices, and extreme strength were noted in one priest's diary before the young boy was eventually freed from the malicious spirit with no memory of the incident. Holy shit. I don't know if I actually like knew that many details around the case that allegedly inspired The Exorcist, but... Yeah, this is one of the films that scared my dad the most. Um, I remember watching it with him. It was on like AMC or something. Um, I know in the film it was a, a girl who was possessed. Mm -hmm. And you had the whole like split pea soup vomit thing, yep. head spinning around. Yeah. Uh, the, the upstairs, like, upside, the, uh, the upside down stairs yeah, walking and stuff. That's what I was just going to say. And then there were what, like, like, like two sequels to that mm -hmm. movie as well. But they didn't do as well as the first one. No, of course not. They never do. Um, I remember going to the haunted houses at Universal Studios 
it was a pretty good haunted house. I mean, all of them were really high quality down there, but that one was like the actual house. Like it was a super small version of it. And it's not anything like a torture fest haunted house, but the entire like ambiance and it definitely had one of those like animatronic uh split pea soup vomiting robots which if if it ever became sentient would be a nightmare to deal with um but going back to the catholic priest part of the story uh something i learned was that in every archdiocese there's like a secret priest who can do exorcisms and like no one knows who it is but they're there they're around like all over the place that sounds like a great topic that we should do like secret exorcists in america and all over the world um exorcist approved priests in plain sight they're there that's crazy yeah i mean it the church takes it that seriously that they have like demon hunters I wouldn't call them demon hunters, but they're there. The thing that I thought was interesting from this was that they went to the Lutheran pastor who was like, you know what? Yeah, I, g- I can't really help you here. You let's should go see a Catholic let's priest. Let's go to the Catholics. <laughs> let's go to the Catholic priest. I'm not qualified for this. Well, I mean, if you've got one in every archdiocese, that's that's pretty serious. That's some serious coverage. I mean, doesn't the catholic church have like the most real estate owned in the country oh i believe it i want to say i've heard that somewhere if i'm incorrect i apologize but that's some pretty serious heavy um, heavy firepower yeah it might be them or mcdonald's for the real estate i'm not really sure i'd feel more comfortable if it was the catholic priests though yeah we'll we'll have to fact check (laughs) see maybe next time so yeah what's our what's our next one Number five is David Berkowitz, son of Sam. I've heard of this guy before. The picture is very familiar looking, and I can't remember if it's from the crime museum that we went to in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or if I did some like 3 a.m. research on this and just don't remember. This guy looks like um, like Al Capone, but like with like way more hair. Mm-hmm. That's a good description. I'll stick to that. One of America's most notorious serial killers claimed to have been possessed during his spree, blaming the demons for the murder of six New York residents. In the year between 1976 and 1977, Berkowitz would terrorize the residents of the city's five boroughs, murdering six and wounding seven, a violent spree he attributed to Papa Sam, a mysterious evil figure Berkowitz referenced in the letters he left at his crime scene. After his capture, it was revealed that Sam was the dog of his neighbor, Sam Carr. Berkowitz claimed in his prison diaries that the animal was possessed by a 6,000-year-old man named Sam, an alcoholic who consumed human blood. Berkowitz also claimed that the spirit locked him in the attic and commanded him to kill through the dog. Quote, he told me to kill through his dog, as he usually does, David wrote in his diaries, before revealing concern that he may one day evolve into a humanoid or demon in a more complete state. Although Berkowitz has gone back and forth, sometimes sticking with the possession story, sometimes recanting it, he, to this day, believes that his crimes were part of an epic struggle between God and the devil. The devil and God are raging inside of me. That was a great album. Uh, this gives me 
mad vibes of that movie, uh, The Witch. Ooh, yes. Super good movie. If you haven't seen it yet, it's like Puritan America, and there's this family on a farm in like the New England region, and the entire film revolves around kind of like mistrust of the family members. They think that the youngest people in the family are like twins and that they're talking to the devil through a goat named Black Bart. And I'm just getting really big vibes from Son of Sam with that. But I think what the family from the witch movie is lacking is uh, a trial involving just like law. And it's more like, no, you're totally witches. You made a pact with the devil through your goat. But the movie has a great ending. I want to spoil it, but it doesn't feel right. It's an amazing film. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch for Halloween, this is definitely the one. Yeah, it's a good one to add to your list. I would say top five spooky movies. And not like a cheap spooky movie. It's, It's less jump scares and more psychological terror yeah it's just it's it's very creepy and it's definitely not a jump scare kind of movie it just it's very unsettling i would say it's just super good super good all right what do we got next the strange case of michael taylor so a lot of the cases we've had so far the people who are being attacked or possessed or uh, subjugated their lives, unless they end, are more or less ending in some kind of normalcy. This is a case that it's kind of not that way. Uh, so Michael Taylor uh, was the one who was, I guess, being possessed. And Christine Taylor, his wife, um, accused him of adultery due to his uh, erratic and socially distant behavior. And Taylor lashed out at both his wife and his alleged mistress. In a short time, his terrifying behavior increased in frequency and intensity, and it was decided that Michael would be seen by priests. Following a full night of exhaustive exorcism sessions, the priest claimed they had pulled out upwards of 40 demons from Taylor, but that several remained inside of him when they sent him home. Upon his return... He violently murdered his wife and strangled the family poodle to death. He was picked up by police after wandering the neighborhood streets, soaked in blood. Oh, my God. When you kill the dog. Yeah, you're just like the theme here is if you hurt the dog, you're just a piece of shit. I don't care if you're a demon or a person or a person, you know, possessed by a demon. What's it got to be like to have 40 demons inside of you? Well, also, let's go back to this. I I guess if I'm understanding this correctly, basically, he was probably having an affair with the church group leader, right? And when he was called out on it, he was so angry that they decided that because his behavior was so abusive and scary that um, he was possessed and maybe just like, instead needed anger management um counseling yeah so this murder happened in uh, 1974 
And so when he was put on trial, he was actually acquitted on grounds of insanity. He was sent to a hospital for two years, and he spent another two years in a, in a secure ward before being released. And the bizarre nature of the case attracted a lot of publicity for him. Uh, but don't worry, it gets worse. Um, in 2005, Michael Taylor uh, re-entered the news after being found guilty of touching a teenage girl indecently. Oh, wow. A piece of shit who murders his family is also a molester? <laughs> I'm shocked. I, for one, am shocked. And so, yeah, with within a week of him being put back in jail, he had attempted suicide on four occasions, and he began exhibiting sorts of strange behavior that had preceded his wife's murder in 1974. And when he was brought back to the court, they once again ordered him into a psychiatric ward where I believe he remains. What a terrible person. We can agree on that. Yeah, I think we can we all can agree, agree on that. So number seven takes us to South Africa. And this is Clara Germana Selly. This feels like one of those mojo YouTube videos. Number seven. <laughs> Here's top ten possessions, but we only have, what, nine? Yeah. You won't believe number two. Please watch our videos and watch all the commercials. And there's 800 ads in between them. Thanks, Watch Mojo. The first 30 minutes are just them talking about, like, their personal lives and their dogs. It's just like those stupid websites with recipes. Yeah. They just stuff it with ads. Yeah. I don't care about Horrible. how much your house smells wonderful when you're done. Just how do I make this soup? All right. So number seven, the case of Clara Germana Sally takes us all the way to a mission school in Nzinto, South Africa. The 16-year-old student was allegedly possessed in the late summer of 1906 after making a pact with the devil. As word about the pact reached one of the school's priests, Clara's behavior became erratic and intensified rapidly with witnesses claiming that the young girl developed a strong aversion to holy objects, tore at her clothes, talked to things that weren't visible, and growled like an animal. She also gained knowledge of other languages, supposedly levitated up to five feet off the ground, exhibited superhuman strength, and relayed personal information about others she shouldn't have been able to know, all trademarks of possession. Two priests performed an exorcism that lasted more than a day, but another became necessary in January of 1907 after the girl admitted she had made yet another pact with the devil because the first one went so well. Another exorcism was allegedly performed, this time lasting two days before she was freed of the demon. Yeah, the first one went so well. I think I'll do this again. There's got to be some, some pretty solid trade-offs, right, for selling your soul. And how do you sell it twice? Isn't it like binding? Yeah, I don't I don't really know how the logistics of that works. I don't know what the pros really are. I think there's a lot of cons. Floating five feet above the ground is pretty cool. Yeah, but you probably don't have control over your body as that's happening. True. True, 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 true. But again, you got me on making a pact twice because usually the sealing the deal involves your soul as far as i know you only get one of those so what gives yeah it's usually a one and done there's no 
taking back that. No second chances. It's actually, um, there's a water company out there called Liquid Death. And it's like a water company where it's like super like hardcore, like death metal, like water's brutal. Water's not a soft thing. It's like, it kills people. Murder your thirst, they say. This is not an ad, actually. I'm just really interested by the company. And on their website, you can sell your soul to the company legally for a case of water. All right. I'm starting to see the pros here. Free case of water. But, you know, I take this stuff so seriously, though I'm pretty sure it's a joke. But, you know, you know it's like a legally binding deal of giving your soul to them. Got to say I'm not in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I want to sign anything officially, but uh, interesting concept. I'll just drink from the tap. It's okay. All right, here's here's number eight. I'm going to do my best watch Mojo impression here. <clears throat> number eight, <laughs> Dr. Richard Gallagher and Julia. It's pretty solid, right? Yeah, that was really good. If they ever need an uh, off-color and quirky announcer um i am available watch mojo so this possession case is the most recent on our list occurring less than 10 years ago in 2008 but it's actually the list is slightly outdated <laughs> so occurring less than i can't do math crap uh 15 years ago we'll technically just, we'll just put it there technically an, less than 100 years ago I'm an English teacher. I, I'm, I'm taught to read, not to do anything else. In 2008, a board-certified psychiatrist and teacher uh, at both Columbia University and New York Medical College, Richard E. Gallagher, declared that his patient, known only as Julia, had experienced possession. Described as a charming and engaging woman, Julia was the queen of a satanic cult. How do you become queen of a cult? I'm just asking for a friend. You have the most Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> All right, I'm out. I'm mm. out. I'm not qualified. <laughs> I might be able to be a queen of a cult then. After feeling convinced she was being attacked by a demon, Julia reached out to a local priest who, in turn, reached out to Gallagher to put the woman through psychiatric treatment. But Gallagher ruled out mental illness after seeing his patient enter trans-like states and finding items flying off the shelves in his office. Julia speaking in tongues and sharing details about his life that she could not know. One event that sealed the deal for the Yale-educated medical professional was when, during a phone call with Julia's priest, he heard one of the demonic voices that had come from her mouth. Except she was nowhere near a phone. Ooh, creepy. Ooh. Ooh, that just gave me chills, actually. That was kind of creepy. Okay. Julia was eventually exercised, a process during which she allegedly spewed threats, levitated, exhibited superhuman strength, and changed the temperature of the room. Ooh, I still have chills from that phone call. That was a little creepy. Look, you can change the room's temperature on your phone these days. I ain't buying it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um, well, I mean, smart thermostats are a newer technology. I don't know if they're that new, though. I mean, you can tell, like, when you're on your business trips that I lower the temperature of the nest. Yeah, you're damn right I can. Look at us destroying gender norms where the husband's not the one 
caring about the thermostat. It's the wife. Yeah, because I look at the ComEd bill and the NICOR bill every you are, month. You are a strong and empowered woman, and I honor you. And don't touch my thermostat. It's our thermostat. It's my thermostat. You didn't put it in. Did you install it? You know how it works? <laughs> no. Okay. You got me there. You do. But yeah, the cell phone part's pretty creepy. Demons have a whole new way to terrorize us. And it's through the phone lines. Well, I guess like satellite. Bluetooth connection. <sighs> the cloud. <laughs> like I get I get pretty upset when the the Alexa or the Google Doc thing start doing stuff on their own. That really upsets me. Yeah. I was just talking with a friend today about how uh, she was absolutely nowhere near her phone, but she was um, talking about Potbelly near her Alexa, and then all of a sudden she started getting ads about Potbelly. And I actually do this for a living. This is part of my digital marketing job. And no, I don't listen to your phone conversations, but there are legitimate reasons for why you start getting ads for things that you talk about. Um, but if you're nowhere near a phone and you haven't been researching, I don't know. It's a little sketch. That's FBI guy right there. That is FBI guy. FBI guy. <laughs> See you tonight. Looking out for your, uh, your pot belly needs. We don't go there anymore, but that's for our own reasons. Personal PPP reasons. Big PP. <laughs> we know that we have a huge line of people trying to sponsor us, but Potbelly is one we will say no to <laughs> at all times. And you can try us, Potbelly. Do it. Please reach out to us. Also, I don't think there's any booze at Potbelly, so. Yeah, I, I feel like our sponsorship should revolve around all. We have no sponsorship, nor, yeah. <laughs> nor will we ever. We're really just uh, planning ahead here for no future whatsoever. <laughs> this entire thing was just about doing stuff during COVID quarantine, and now we're just doing it out of obligation to all of you friends in Sweden and my mom. Yes, it's really for you, Sweden. <laughs> What's number nine? All right, number nine, bringing it home. Carolyn Perron and the Perron family. Adapted for the big screen into the hugely successful Hollywood horror hit The Conjuring, this possession is the epitome of a real-life horror story. Soon after the Perron family moved into their dream... What? You called them the Perron family. <laughs> the Perron. The Perron family. I'd say we just go with Perron. All right, let's just go with Perron. I'm going to stick to that. Soon after the Perrin family moved into their dream house in a quaint Rhode Island neighborhood in 1970, the haunting began. The family immediately began to experience odd and terrifying happenings from some things as small as odd sounds to those as terrifying as family members being pulled from their beds. On a number of occasions, the ghost of a woman who hanged herself on the property appeared. She particularly abhorred the Perrin matriarch, harassing and eventually possessing her. The paranormal investigative duo... Ed and Lorraine Warren, see how they keep popping up, were brought in and after evaluating the parent situation, declared that there had been quite a few insidious things that occurred in the home and around the property that cast a dark cloud over the entire place. Attempts to exorcise the malevolent spirit from the home failed, and the family endured its torment until 1980. 
So first thing I have to say to that is I think we can maybe do an episode about Ed and Lorraine Warren specifically because I know that they're seen as like the iconic um, like epitome of not ghost hunting, but, um, you know, investigations into the, the spiritual world. Uh, there are so many things that I've learned about them that just cause them to be so controversial and it's super duper interesting and I think a lot of people don't know a lot of the backstory so maybe we can do another episode on that. I'm actually watching a trailer, muted of course, um, of The Conjuring. I know we've seen The Conjuring. I guess there's like three of them now. Oh yeah, there's a third one coming out or supposed to be coming out in 2020 or it did come out. Oh, you know what? The the actor in this is also in uh, Insidious and I was thinking of Insidious. Also a great movie to add to your spooky movie list. Oh, there's the hanging lady in the trailer. Oh, there's the ropes. Maybe we start a new podcast where it's just you watching movie trailers on mute and then describing what you think is happening. Oh, there's a flash. Oh, it's all dark. All right. If this list taught me anything, it's that there's a lot of really scary movies that we have to watch for either the first time or at least the third time. And since it's like Halloween uh, month, think we have our tasks up set up for us spookytober spooktober my body's so ready <laughs> yeah we're almost halfway through the month so we really gotta cram all these in i saw candy corn at a store today and i almost bought some you know it's not on the list of um possessions or anything but i am curious about people's thoughts on candy corn so if you love candy corn send us a message if you are repulsed by candy corn send us a message i want to know what the viewers think is the candy corn flavor the same as the pumpkin candy flavor and the other question i have you know the candy corn is obviously three different colors do all colors taste the same i need to call my mom yeah, this is a topic for another day, so maybe we'll do a mini episode on that. But thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, we will post the link to this in the show notes if you are at all interested in reading back on any of these and maybe doing a little bit more research. Um, I think we have a couple of ideas for topics in the future to revisit these. This is amazing timing, not even doing this for the show. I just finished my Vista Bay. Wow. What are your th final thoughts to wrap up the episode? Just like White Claw, it's like drinking sparkling water and you say a flavor. And you close your eyes and you imagine it. It's like sitting on a bay and drinking in black cherry flavored water. And uh, it's like three day old black cherry water. Yeah, very infused. Um, I'm I'm neither in love with nor hating this. Um, generally, when it gets to be spooky time, I dive into pumpkin beers and such. Mm -hmm. I just haven't been to the store. I've been the one making the alcohol purchases, hence the Vista Bay. Maybe we can use that money from the wedding the other night uh, t to 
buy some investments in the pod in the future. Ooh, reinvestments. I love it. Yeah. So I'm going to start doing some research on pumpkin ales and heavy dark beers that pour like motor oil. <laughs> because that's what podcasters do. They drink really hip, cool beer. And Vista Bay is not a beer. And it is not summertime anymore. So I feel like a fraud. Well, if you want to hear more about our existential crisis, about the alcohol we should be drinking during the appropriate time of the season, tune in next week. We release new episodes every Monday. And don't forget, follow us on your platform of choice to get every new episode that we release. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. It is the best way that you could support us, and we would really appreciate it, especially on Apple Podcasts. It's... I. I understand why other podcasts say this now. Leaving reviews helps the algorithm so much. So it helps uh, other people find us to listen to. And we'd really appreciate any reviews if you enjoy the podcast. And don't forget, if you leave a review and you take a screenshot and send it to us, we will send you your own Boost and Confuse stickers for free. And don't be afraid to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter if those are your jam. If they're not your jam, you can send us an email at boostandconfusedpodcast at gmail.com. You do that so well every time. Like you'd think that would be like a recording. You do that live every single time. Every time. Sometimes I forget the email address. I mean, I have like <laughs> 5,000 emails sitting in my inbox right now. And frankly, they're not getting touched. That's okay. But great job. Yeah, thank Thankfully, you. I'm not in charge of our podcast email. Yeah, no, you'll you'll hear from me. Any, not from me. Any social media, any emails, it's me. It's not me. And this is why I own the thermostat. Oh, we're going back to that. <laughs> we're going to go talk in the car after this, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much again for tuning in. We will, I guess, see you guys next week. <laughs> we love you, Sweden. <laughs> Sweden, you the real ones. Keep us in that top 200, please. <laughs> Okay, bye. Okay, bye.